Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. Lots to talk about this morning. Uh, lots of lots of really good stuff happened. Um, that I want to talk about, so I'm going to jump right into it. We're going to start with the uh, <clears throat> coin vitals. It's from bitinfocharts.com, and those <clears throat> people that are running that site do a real good job compiling a bunch of information about, uh, it looks to me like the top 40 coins, something like that. But of course, I only do Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bcash, Litecoin, and Dogecoin. Why Dogecoin? Why not? Let's start with Bitcoin. <clears throat> Average price looks like it's about 6655 bucks. Bitfinex has it at uh, 6740. Hit BTC at 6750. And GDAX is 6440. Bitstamp same. Gemini is the lowest at 6438. Transactions over the last 24 hours pretty much was like it was yesterday. And that actually ends up being across the board uh, for all the coins. Pretty much the same thing yesterday. This is about 200, about a quarter million transactions. Um, it gives uh, average transactions per hour of 11,000. Almost a million BTC was sent in the last 24 hours with a uh, capitalization of about six point five billion dollars being sent uh, average per hour being sent is 40,000 BTC at uh, two, 267 million the average transaction value is 3.6 BTC at 24,000 but the median transaction value which I kind of actually like the median transaction better from uh, statistics I come from a scientific background uh, biology specifically and and I find m the median transaction to be more representative of what is mostly occurring because it doesn't really take into consideration the, the extreme shoulders but the median transaction value is uh, about zero or 0 0.048 BTC or about 300 bucks right block time is back up where it should be around nine minutes and 52 seconds a block uh, last blocks in the last 24 hours is pegged right at 144, right where it should be. At six blocks per hour, right where it should be. Uh, the hash rate. Yesterday, I had uh, had noticed that it it had been it had gone up, but it was still uh, pretty far down from where it had been the Friday before. It was at, I think it was at 49 exahashes. This morning, over the last 24 hours, uh, I'm being told that the hash rate has increased 21%, back up to 
0.5 exahashes, which is kind of somewhere around where it was on Friday, I believe. So maybe some people took their units down, you know, took them offline, uh, did some updating. Who knows? There's no, there's no way to know on this kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> the and I haven't been doing this one, but I think I am going to do this one. Uh, reward per block. Well, we all know that it's twelve and a half bitcoins, but bitinfocharts.com adds a little bit more information to that and. I assume through like my, you know, algorithms that, that mine the chain can kind of figure out uh, how much, how many, or how much in transaction fees was done for that particular reward. So the way this works is the BitInfo charts has reward per block and it says 12.5 Bitcoins plus 0.14. So in the, those the, the 0.14 is the transaction fees that was also gained on mining that block. Um, the reward for the last 24 hours is <clears throat> 1,800 Bitcoin plus 20.16 Bitcoin in transaction fees. And I'm going to, I may or may not continue to do that one. Ethereum, uh, average price, uh, 211 uh, sorry, $211. And this is all in USD for any, any guys outside of uh, the United States. Bcash is 463. Litecoin is 55.56. And Dogecoin is 0.0051. Um, if we look at across the board transactions over the last 24 hours, Ethereum is about twice as much as Bitcoin. Uh, Bcash is at 20000 well, 19,919. Litecoin is at 25,895 transactions. And Dogecoin is smoking Bitcoin or Bcash. Again, it's, it's every single day. Dogecoin has 22,778 transactions in the last 24 hours as opposed to the 20,000 of Bcash. So there you have the vital statistics, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move. Let's move on. Get right on into the morning roundup. Uh, what's going on on crypto Twitter? Uh, you can find everything that I'm going to talk about in my uh, t- uh, Twitter timeline, which I will have in the show notes uh, w- after I produce uh, the rest of this thing. So you'll be able to see what I was talking around to, uh, talking about today. So yesterday, uh, CoinSure, or yeah, CoinSure, uh, who is can be found at coin s-u-r-e-n-z all one word um, has a really neat thread about an experiment he performed with go uh, with gotenna and the samurai wallet to send a bitcoin transaction without the internet over 12.6 kilometers so let's it's let's start the thread with this one right here over the weekend i sent a bitcoin transaction to a relay 12.6 kilometers away with no cell network or internet connection. Here's a tweet storm about how I used Gotenna and Samurai Wallet Samurai Wallet to do it. My second tweet. 
My original objective was to see if I could use the four Go Tennis that I have to send a transaction 19.2 kilometers. Go Tennis gives the maximum range in open environments as 6.4 kilometers. Three, I used Google Maps to find a route in my hometown that connected high ground points as close as 6.4 kilometers apart as possible. The route, One Tree Hill to Mount Albert to Waikumet Cemetery to Parkinson's Lookout is shown below, and he gives up. He gives the map. For this was the equipment I used: four Go Tennis, a twenty-six dollar USD, twenty-six USD entry-level Android smartphone with no cellular or Wi-Fi connection, some scrim which for anybody who doesn't know, I had to look it up. Scrim is a type of fabric. Uh, Clothes pegs and cord to attach and camouflage relay go tennis. Wanted to try cold card wallet in the mix, but ran out of time next time. And God, that would have been so cool. I can't wait. I hope he does it again. I really do. I want to see the cold card wallet in this mix. So five. Next was driving out to the cemetery and Mount Albert locations to set up some concealed relay stations. GoTenna lets you put a device in relay mode where it will passively receive any messages broadcasted with <clears throat> with range, I think he meant within range, and relay them on to other GoTennas. And then he gives pictures of where he put a couple of a couple of these devices and you cannot see them. Uh, it's it's amazing and I am assuming that's what the scrim was for. He probably wrapped them in this this camouflage looking fabric and then tied them up into like trees and stuff. Um, and you can't see them. It is it's amazing. I was wondering about that. You know, I was like if if you see one, you just go take one. But uh, man, the, the coin sure's got he he's got the method down. Okay, so let's let's move on. The mechanics of the setup was this: <clears throat> my twenty-six dollar phone. With no connection outside GoTenna would broadcast a signed Bitcoin transaction generated in Samurai Wallet as a GoTenna message to my girlfriend's phone with a cellular data and GoTenna connection. Her phone would receive the transaction through GoTenna, relay it over the internet, and if accepted by the Bitcoin network, her wallet would be credited the balance. My phone, effectively a radio device with a Bitcoin wallet and UTXOs, her phone, a relay from radio to the internet. First transaction was One Tree Hill to Mount Albert. Direct GoTenna to GoTenna. Transaction successful. Total distance, 5.61 kilometers. Next, I made my way to Wakumet Cemetery. This <clears throat> transaction would be relayed from my GoTenna through the one I had stashed on Mount Albert onto my girlfriend's phone and GoTenna on One Tree Hill. Transaction successful, one hop of 7.06 kilometers and another of 5.61 kilometers, total 12.67 kilometers. Last hop was planned for Parkinson's Lookout, 5.15, or I'm sorry, 7.15 kilometers away. This was pushing the distance, but there was great visibility and elevation. Couldn't get this one through. However, my girlfriend experienced an app crash and speaking to the samurai guys, this may have been why. I attempted a couple of broadcasts on the way down, but no luck again. By this time, I was needing to get back, so I had to wrap up testing there. A couple of caveats. Due to needing to... Hold, sorry, guys. 
due to needing to reconcile spent UTXOs. It's only possible to send one transaction offline. Then you need to connect said wallet to the internet, otherwise it will reference a spent UTXO. Cold card and other solutions rechange addresses may be an easy fix here. There's no way for the offline broadcaster to know if the transaction has been relayed via the internet or seen by a GoTenna device. An acknowledgement message relayed back would be cool. I agree. Lastly, I want to thank GoTenna, GoTenna support, and their mesh community for being back within a few hours with tech support to help fix a pairing problem, great customer service, and also the Samurai Wallet team for helping with some teething issues getting this working. This was great fun, and I hope to be back soon with some more field reports. And I sure, I hope you are, CoinSure. I really do. That is a cool experiment, and I can't wait till you do this again, especially with the cold card wallet in the mix. So moving on. Um, Hat tip to at Matt underscore Odell for tweeting out a uh, GoTenna, uh, meshcommunity.gotenna.com. Oh, what do we call it? It's not a story. Well, we'll just call it a story in which I say this is getting out of hand in all the best ways possible. And if you go to the Mesh Community website to look at this, Project Moan, Mother of All Nodes. And this is uh, written by uh, GUA742, GUA742 in the Mesh Community, uh, Gotenna Mesh Community. He says, or she says, Behold Moan, Mother of All Nodes. In production, Project Moan for serious, not effing around, long-range Gotenna mesh hops is now in full effect. Oh, and for an antenna, an, an, <clears throat> an Antenex FG902 should be here in a few days. Yeah, I went there. 3 <clears throat> 3DBD, ultra short runs of high quality coax, which is LMR 400 and a micro SMA connector replacing the stock antenna. Oh hell yes. Still waiting on the antenna, solar panel, uh panel mount connectors and wire, electrical wiring. I got tons of feed line. This is going online ASAP. Parts list is below. Any questions, please let me know. He includes a picture of uh, the parts that he's going to be uh, using um, and the picture of the antenna that he's going to be using. And this dude is basically, he is, he's going to, what he's doing is he's taking like go, like a GoTenna mesh and uh, he's popping out the, you know, he's popping, popping the hood and is souping it up like a hot rod, man. That, that's what he's doing. So what he's got as a parts list is as below. A black and white case, Type 2000. Actually, it's a B&W case, Type 2000. 12-volt, 7-amp-hour SLA battery, a CMP12 charge controller, 12-volt dual receptacle, HY503 USB 12-volt USB charger goes in one of the 12-volt dual receptacles, and 10x FG 902 902-928 megahertz or 928 megahertz 3db fiberglass omni base station antenna the dude is not messing around okay go 10 a mesh unit duh he actually says that duh 12 volt solar panel charger 8 amp hours 
RG316 high frequency wire jumper, 10 centimeter coaxial cable connector, FPV antenna extender cable, SMA male to SMA female adapter. Straight in male to UHF female coax adapter. You know, it goes on and on. But basically what he's done is he's he's building like this this black case that has a solar panel on it with a big honking antenna that is going to probably is going to extend the range quite a bit. I, I, I don't know if the range is going to be extent, but the project moan guys, you keep an eye out for this thing. This is, this is, this is, uh, like I said, this project that he's doing is just, this is, like I said, it's getting at go tenant and samurai wallet and the mesh network and the ability to piggyback transactions from the Bitcoin network on top of it. It's getting out of hand in all of the best ways possible. Moving on. Uh, let's see here. More uh, Gotenna stuff. This might be the first Bitcoin. Do- okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Let me do this the correct way. Max Hillebrand, and he is on Twitter at Hillebrand Max. This might be the first Bitcoin donation send over Gotenna Mesh Network with Samurai Wallet TX Tenna. Thank you for your reckless support of the of the at purism P-U-R-I underscore S-M hashtag Lebrum15 review on the World Crypto Network. And then he's got a couple of um, uh, a couple of uh, uh, links there. But essentially, uh, now it's like donations are going over uh, the tra- the uh, the mesh network with uh, Samurai and Gotenna, and I'm so again, I am freaking super excited that Gotenna hooked up with somebody. I wanted him to hook up with Novak, whatever, dude. As long as they've hooked up with somebody to make this crap work, I'm happy, 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 and 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 excited. This is way cool, way cool. Um. Okay, Ethereum's neg- okay. This is from uh, at dwx underscore blockchain. Ethereum's next blockchain upgrade faces delay after testing failure, and there's a link to a CoinDesk article. Uh, essentially, it's saying that. Um, let me see here. A system-wide change initially earmarked to go live in 2018. The code release meant to in- introduce five improvements and alter the economics of the $20 billion blockchain may now be delayed following a failure of Saturday's activation on the test network, Robston. Developers told Coindesk on Monday. Uh, this is Christine Kim uh, writing for Coindesk. And again, it's going to be in my timeline, um, which will be in the show notes and you can go and, and grab it directly from there. So move in, move in. It looks like Ethereum is, uh, has kind of been screwed again. Um, proof of stake guys, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't deal with Ethereum ever since I figured out that it's impossible to sync a, a geth node in any reasonable <laughs> any reasonable way whatsoever um we're going to go on to a tweet from at medium squeeze if you guys aren't following the dude follow the dude uh he says always try to use archive.is to share shitty stories like following that way the author doesn't get the page view and ad revenue 
make them look unpopular to management. And he gives a link to an archive.is. And if you guys haven't seen this, it's, uh, God, it's, it's cringeworthy. Here, this is an article from Forbes by Billy, Billy Bambra, which I've, I've never heard of him before, but he's been around apparently. And the, the headline is, China's Bitcoin dominance is worrying Trump's White House and pushing it towards Ripple. No, it's not. No, no, it's not, Billy. It's not. I don't think Trump is worrying about anything at all about this kind of crap right now. And he sure is not going to be worrying about Ripple. Why? Because it's just, it's a scam. I'm sorry. It's a shit show. Stop it. Just stop. Anyway, so this guy's saying that Ripple is going to take over from Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is dead. Long live Bitcoin. Okay, so we want to thank uh, at Medium Squeeze for giving us, uh, pointing that out to us. Uh, Abacus Journal, at Abacus Journal, says, exclusive, Goldman Sachs and backed. Goldman won't go it alone with crypto custody product. We'll rely on backed infrastructure. And there's a, a, a link here to the news story or the the. Uh, Post that they put in Abacus Journal, and it's just kind of outlining the fact that Goldman Sachs is going to kind of join up with Bact, um, and and push. You know, if they're going to like offer products and services, it's going to. It looks right now that Goldman Sachs is just going to uh, leverage the Bact infrastructure, which makes a lot of sense. Why build it yourself if you can partner with somebody who's going to do it for you? I don't have any. Uh, I don't. I don't have any thoughts on backed right now. I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's good. Right now, I kind of don't care. This is not investment advice, people. Buy Bitcoin. Going on. Matt Odell, at Matt Odell, says, Tether is holding reserves at Bahama-based Deltic Bank. Several people familiar with the situation told the block. The banking relationship between Tether... The company behind the stablecoin of the same name and Deltec Bank was struck in recent weeks. And he's got, provides us a link to an article by Larry Cermak. Tether has found a new bank in the Caribbean, and this is uh, theblockcrypto.com. And the quick take, I'll just read you the quick take part of it. According to the block sources, Tether is holding its reserves at Deltec Bank. And over-the-counter trading desks have expressed interest in opening an account with Deltic Bank to redeem USDT or Tether directly. So, as people know, Tether kind of lost their bank with Noble Bank, and Bitfinex lost their Noble. I, I don't know what happened with Noble Bank, but the Tether and Bitfinex are no longer banking at Noble Bank. But apparently, they found a new bank, and the. The Tether Clown Show continues again. I don't. I don't know. I. I don't have any thoughts about Tether itself. Again, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. Not investment advice, people. Buy Bitcoin. Moving on, we're getting to the end now for the roundup. But there's just a couple that I really, I really want to go through. Loom Dart, my man, the Hamcat. Mr. Hamcat, at L-O-O-M-D-A-R-T. And if you're not following Loom Dart, then you're missing out on some of the finest shit posting ever. So he says, 
from Tether is going to collapse, get out now, to, oh yeah, they'll just get another bank and keep the scam going. Do I like Tether? No. Do I not want people to fall for FUD and panic sell at a loss? Yeah. You know, and he's... Hamcat's talking about this thing with getting a new bank because if you if you were watching the Tether stuff yesterday, you know, it went down to like 92 cents in some cases and then had this parabolic recovery. Um, and I, I, it, it seemed to be timing with the fact that they lost their banking and then and or something happened and and then all of a sudden they got a new bank and everybody's like, oh, okay, it, it's all it's all fine now. I mean, there's probably some sketchy stuff going on with Tether, but again, I just you know bandwidth people, I just don't have enough to really care. Not investment advice by Bitcoin. CoinDesk says, just in, Bitfinex has introduced a new fiat deposit system for USD, GBP. EUR and JPY after the exchange suspended fiat deposits. KYC verified clients can apply for an account. There is a minimum 10,000 USD deposit. So, yeah, they're now, you know, they're have got their, like, their, you know, new fiat deposit system, apparently, that they were talking about yesterday in place. Moving on, getting to the end. Um, Oh, actually, that is the end. I've got a couple more in my, in my uh, uh, Twitter sta- or uh, uh, timeline stack, but we'll get to that in a minute because it's part of the rest of the show. So on with the rest of the show. And the rest of the show consists of or starts with Optech Newsletter. Bitcoin Optech Newsletter number 17 for October 16th, 2018. This week's newsletter briefly describes a proposal for splicing Lightning Network payment channels, links to videos and transcripts of talks from the Edge Development or Edge Dev++ training sessions, and summarizes some transcripts made during last week's CoreDev.Tech event. Action items, none this week. News. Proposal for Lightning Network Payment Channel Splicing. Splicing is an idea for allowing users to either add or remove funds from an existing payment channel without the delay of closing and reopening a completely new channel. Rusty Russell posted a technical proposal for allowing a single splice at a time, although he notes that the proposal is complex. Renee Pickhart described an alternative that would likely be easier to implement and reason about about but which oh, this is some sketchy language usage here pal <laughs> let's try this again that would likely be be easier to implement and reason about but which could require more on-chain transactions it was suggested that the simpler but more expensive solution could be version one and the more complex but less expensive solution could be version two next edge dev plus plus talks published A two-day series of presentations from leading Bitcoin contributors aimed at developers has been published as videos and transcripts. The talks cover the full range of topics, from introductory to advanced. Three talks may be especially interesting to Optech members. One, Exchange Security by Warren Tagami describes the causes behind several notable major thefts from Bitcoin and altcoin exchanges and lists a number of techniques businesses can use to reduce their risk of loss. 
2, Wallet Security, Key Management, and Hardware Security Modules, HSMS, by Brian Bishop. Suggest methods for decreasing the risk that private keys will be stolen or misused. 3. Handling Reorgs and Forks by Brian Bishop describes how to secure your transactions against changes in the Bitcoin blockchain or consensus rules, including suggestions for how to test your systems. Okay, moving to coredev.tech. Coredev.tech is an invite-only event for well-known contributors to Bitcoin infrastructure projects such as Bitcoin Core and Lightning Network. I guess that means that they'll never invite me. Oh, well. Discussions are not recorded, but Brian Bishop hopefully writes rough and non-authoritative transcripts on some of the discussions during the events. The following short summaries are based on some of the transcripts of the event in Tokyo last week. Uh, bullet point one, Bitcoin Optech. Bitcoin Optech is introduced and briefly discussed, followed by a discussion of common problems Bitcoin using businesses encounter when using Bitcoin Core and other open source infrastructure projects. Bullet point two, using UTXO accumulators to reduce data storage requirements. Taj Dreija describes work he's been doing on UTXO accumulators that are similar in function to those described in last week's newsletter, but which have a different construction based on hashes. He further describes how they could be combined with something like Corey Fields UTXO hash set, UHO idea for full nodes to store hashes of UTXOs instead of full UTXOs. In order to significantly reduce the amount of storage, pruned full nodes would use without necessarily requir requiring any changes to the consensus rules. Bullet, po bah, bullet point number three, script, descriptors, and descript. The backwards compatible way wallets such as Bitcoin Core default to watching for transaction outputs, paying them is ambiguous and flexible and scales badly. Output script descriptors are a simple language for describing scripts to the wallet that make it easier for the wallet to handle many normal cases, including import, imports of HD extended private and public keys. Somewhat related is Descript, a language that uses a subset of the full Bitcoin script language to make it easy to construct simple policies. We have a Descript compiler that takes something we're calling a policy language and or threshold public key hash lock time lock together with probabilities for each OR or for each OR to tell whether it's 50-50 or whether one side of the OR is more likely than the right and it will find dot 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 the optimal script in this subscript of script that we have to find. Um, God, whoa, this language. For example, it could allow you to do something like a multisig that after some time degrades into a weaker multisig, like a two of three, but after a year I can spend it with just one of those keys. Uh, hold on for a sec. All right. Something came up. Sorry, guys. Uh, notable code changes. <clears throat> okay. Notable code changes. First up is LND number 1970. The abandoned channel RPC method, only available in the developer debug mode, now provides additional information when users tell their node to abandon a payment channel, a method that can cause monetary loss if used carelessly. Be careful out there, people. Seriously. The additional information is enough to allow either restarting an open payment channel later or to prove that the program had enough information to make additional commitments to a now closed payment channel. 
Second up, Sea Lightning number 2000. This provides a large number of fixes and safety related improvements to how hashed, sorry, to how hash time locked contracts, HTLCs, are stored in the database. And that will do it for Bitcoin Optech newsletter number 17. I want to thank the guys at Bitcoin Optech for allowing me to read their newsletter on the, for this podcast. Um, they can be found at on Twitter at oh, make sure, yeah, Bitcoin Optech O P T E H C. Bitcoin Optech is all one word. Um, let's move on to what's what we got? Yeah, terrible joke corner. Okay, okay. So I'm not really going to do my, my terrible joke that, that I normally do. I'm going to extend, like I did yesterday, a little bit more into the realm of Noriel Rubini. I have created a, uh, a new Twitter account for uh, the great Rubini. And I take the, the quotes of, of Noriel in his Twitter feed, take it into a word document and replace every word every time he says btc or crypto i replace with hashtag pineapple pizza so let's just give it a read the great rubini says more outright anti-semitic messages from hashtag pineapple pizza lunatics as i showed there is a high correlation between the two yep and let's okay that was the end of that one um he also says while hashtag pineapple pizza was massively unequal worse than North Korea in 2014 when millions of bag holders gripped by FOMO in 2017 didn't even know of the existence of pineapple pizza things are no better today as whales use that bag holders FOMO to dump on them pineapple hashtag pineapple pizza when it was 20k while it was while it is 6k now and the last one is <clears throat> the shit coin set oh wait hold on how does hashtag pineapple pizza spike 10% this morning at 5.30am in less than 30 minutes with zero news simple answer price manipulation systemic hashtag pineapple pizza manipulation from hundreds of pump and dump telegram chats spoofing wash trading front running by exchange the shit coin cesspool starts with hashtag pineapple pizza and that's about all i'm gonna do on that one uh just because it's stupid but it was kind of fun to just kind of set it up so there you go And just as I was thinking I was going to have to wrap this thing up without reading you guys Marty's, <clears throat> Marty Bent's Marty's Bent, I looked in my email and it just popped in. So Marty's Bent for Tuesday, October the 16th, 2018, issue number 340. Fidelity coming in hot. Money has been going digital ever since we've had an internet to use it on. In many view, the Bitcoin network is the world's internet of money. As more people learn about these new protocols, new ways to store and exchange value may spend into our lives much quicker, speed into our lives much quicker than we think. Um, he gives a uh, uh, 
Oh, a um, medium, <clears throat> a medium post. A bomb was dropped out of nowhere yesterday afternoon at Bloomberg's institutional crypto event in NYC as Fidelity's Tom Jessup announced the launch of Fidelity Digital Assets, an investi- <clears throat> investing and custody solution for institutional clients. This is huge news for the corn. This is the custody solution we've been waiting for. I've said it many times in this rag and on TFTC, custody of Bitcoin has been the biggest hurdle for the traditional financial institutions to overcome up to this point. When you're dealing with as much money as these institutions are, security of the assets in custody is imperative and no one in the market has stepped up to offer these services until now. Fidelity has been one of the shining beacons of hope from the traditional financial system when it comes to Bitcoin. They've been on the beat for over four years experimenting with mining, encouraging their employees to use Bitcoin in the cafeteria to buy things. They discovered long confirmation times aren't conducive for buying coffee and exhibiting extreme restraint as they obviously do not fall prey to the shallow world of private blockchains. Thank God. And full-blown shitcoinery again, thank God. On top of this, in one of their first blog posts, they pay homage to the innovators who came before Satoshi and paved the path and route to Bitcoin being created. This is a great sign, in my opinion, as it shows that the investing juggernaut understands Bitcoin's place in the context of the digital cash money revolution. It seems as though they want to be true to the ethos of this revolution as well. Time will tell. As for how I see this affecting markets, I don't think it will have an immediate effect as they are slowly rolling out their services to a small group of clients initially and will expand to a bigger client base in 2019. However, once the floodgates have truly been opened, I expect institutions and large investors to slowly get comfortable with their offerings over time. If Fidelity is able to follow up on their promises and offers an impeccable user experience to complement their custodial services, I believe this will be the most important on-ramp for the next bull run. Bull runs are usually preceded by new on-ramps being launched and adopted, and and we have never seen an on-ramp like the one Fidelity is rolling out. Once sentiment turns and the charts begin to revert course, this ramp may be servicing more traffic than we have ever witnessed up to this point in Bitcoin's life, slowly but surely. This is cool. So Marty's got a, um, a link to uh, <clears throat> r forward slash Bitcoin subreddit um, posted by Bitcoin hyphen challenge introducing the 310 BTC Bitcoin challenge. This was 14 days ago. Not too long ago, Bitcoin wasn't worth much USD wise, but as an early adopter, I was there mining them on my desktop computer on a daily basis. At a later point in time, I even bought more, a lot more. This was my best investment ever. My Bitcoins quickly became a treasure chest, and while I don't want to provide numbers, I can tell you that Bitcoin changed my life for good. On top of that, Bitcoin airdrops were created. I thought it would be nice to give those away to someone else in the universe as I don't need them, just for fun. In the end, I got them for free too. Thinking about ideas on how to do this, I finally created a Bitcoin challenge where BTC can be found hidden in a digital picture. I have to admit, it wasn't as easy as I projected, and I had to exchange all airdrops for BTC. While this wasn't 
an easy process for all of them. Creating the picture was the most difficult since I'm not an artist myself. Today, finally, I can announce the 310 BTC Bitcoin challenge. Yes, that's correct. There's 310 BTC hidden in the picture. Head over to and gives the, um, uh, the link for more details. It's at bitcoinchallenge.codes, by the way. Uh, there are three other connected addresses containing 0 0.31, 0 0.2, and 0 0.1 BTC, respectively. Okay. Now, for the uh, he, he's, uh, the person that posted this uh, did a, a set of updates, so let's read through them. On October the 4th, someone is right on track and moved the funds from the 0 0.1 BTC address. A guy called... Luster told me he managed to decode it. Good job. October the 9th, first successful registration. October the 9th, uh, second October the 9th, the 0 0.2 BTC wallet was emptied. Someone called Aaron sent an email with proof he solved this one. October 10th, the 310 BTC funds were taken, solved by Mark. Also October 10th, <clears throat> the 0 0.31 BTC wallet is yet to be solved. October the 11th, Reddit locked the thread. For the next challenge, I will think about a complete website and integrated commenting system instead. I would do the same. October the 14th, the website is getting more visitors on a daily basis exponentially. The server even had trouble serving all of them until the BTC wallet got cracked. Now my daily visitor chart is very, very bearish. I mean, very, 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 very bearish. Down over 90%. Oh, man, I'll bet Rubini's just going to be all over you. If I were to chart the amount of emails on a daily basis, it will most certainly look very similar. <laughs> it feels like there is no interest anymore. I'm puzzled. The 0 0.31 BTC wallet is still unsolved, and the remaining coins in the 310 BTC wallet are not even moved days later. Whoa. Okay. October. Also on October 14th, in the next weeks, I will have someone build a new website and I will start one or a couple smaller changes. Anyway, so that's that that's that's the preface of, of uh, what Marty's bent is next. And Marty says someone just won 310 BTC for solving a puzzle. Damn, I wish I was smarter. For those of you freaks who are good at puzzles, especially the type of this caliber, I highly recommend you keep an eye out for the artists launching these BTC hunts because they can be very lucrative. A pretty cool way to get BTC if you're smart but poor. Final thought, I don't mind being a procrastinator. Sort of like it, actually. I don't know, Marty. You don't seem to procrastinate all that much to me. I mean, you get, you know, I get your, your, your uh, newsletter every damn morning, so not sure about that whole procrastination thing. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for Marty's Bent. I want to thank Marty Bent for Marty's Bent. And you can find Marty Bent over Twitter at Marty Bent. And don't forget to check out Tales from the Crypt. Uh, believe the uh, uh, Twitter handle on that is at TFTC21, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, go listen to it. It is absolutely one of the most informative, one of the most laid back and coolest uh, crypto podcasts that there is. Um, he's been a real inspiration for me to start this one. And, and again, I want to thank you, Marty, for uh, giving me that inspiration as well as the permission for letting me read your newsletter on this particular podcast to help me get started. Um, and that'll do it for the Marty's Bent portion. 
Okay, duders, that's going to do it for me today. I enjoyed doing this one. Um, this one is actually the funnest one that I've done, or at least at least for me. I don't know. Like I said, comments would be helpful over on SoundCloud. Uh, tell me how I'm screwing up. Uh, tell me what it is that you didn't understand, what you don't like a show about the show, something that you would like to hear. I don't know. I mean, kind of a group effort over, you know, with all of us. So, um, uh, like I said, you know, uh, comments, um, criticism is, is welcome. I, without, without, you know, criticism, nothing grows. So, um, I'd appreciate, uh, I'd appreciate it. Uh, you'd find me over at B E N N D seven, seven on Twitter. And from there you'll find all my other miscreant stuff. And I will talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Be nice to each other on crypto Twitter. Don't fall for tether FUD. Don't fall for any FUD and keep your uh, private key safe. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.